He's made in America until the cowboy's gone. It's Tracy Lawrence on the Music Universe podcast. That was a damn good intro, buddy. I'm proud of you. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. How about you? I'm good. I just heard your computer go off. <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mute it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, oh, my gosh. Talk about a 90s country icon today on our show. Oh, just so many hits. I remember seeing him at Six Flags St. Louis, and I was a fan. I've always been a fan. I love Tracy Lawrence, and I'm getting chills just doing this intro right now. It was such a pleasure to chat with him. It really was. Just a world of knowledge as far as country music as well. You know, just just how he came into the business and where it's at now completely different as a lot of these acts are and uh you know it was just uh, super super cool to, to chat with him tracy lawrence welcome to the music universe podcast how are you doing man i'm doing good today can't complain right on how have you uh been doing during the uh quarantine what have you been doing to stay sane you know we're really blessed i uh i've really been doing a lot of work on the farm um, um we have our house is at the end of a road, and we're in the middle of about 400 acres, so we're kind of isolated anyway. And I've uh, I've been bush hogging the pastures and taking care of the cows and getting uh, cutting down trees off the fence lines. I've got about two trailer loads of firewood that I've got stacked up, and I've been cut a few new trails in the woods for the side by sides, and and so we've uh, just been doing normal stuff. I've got my garden planted, which uh, usually it takes me a little bit longer to get to, so I've, I've been able to get on top of things that I usually miss out on in the spring. Are you doing any writing, any uh, like Facebook Lives or Instagram Lives? You know, I have been doing some writing. I've written four songs while I've been down, and I'm scheduled to do another write tomorrow. Awesome. And do you do that through Zoom like so many people have been? You know, uh, some of it, but uh, some of it's just, I, I mean, I've, I've got a, an open area out here and, and guys have been coming out and we've been kind of keeping our distance between each other, but we've been writing in person. I mean, we're I'm, I'm kind of in a different situation than a lot of people because I've got so much open space out here, but we've it's been pretty normal, man. To tell you the truth, it's been extremely normal where we are. And you just released a brand new single. It's called When the Cowboy's Gone. Uh, tell us about that and the inspiration behind it. You know, I was blessed enough to be brought in on that song, guys, that I write with on a regular basis. So Carson Chamberlain and Wyatt McCubbin, uh, we've been working together off and on for years. And, and uh, uh, I, I was actually, they, they had that song started. So I got to get in on part of the chorus and to write the second verse so the idea was not mine which usually i'm the one with the idea so i was lucky enough to be brought in on that one well it's a great uh, neo-traditional country song and uh, i appreciate you releasing new music during the quarantine i know a lot of people had planned and then they pushed it back because they either you know maybe can't tour around it or didn't feel it's the right time so i appreciate you releasing that as well as the video that uh, was actually filmed uh, much of the time while you're on tour it was. The bulk of it was done while we were on tour, and the rest of it was shot here on my farm in, in uh, Middle Tennessee. You know, we we did we we talked about whether or not we felt like it was the right time to release the song, and I I felt like uh, I, I knew that there would be a lot of a lot of things shut down for a lot of people, and music has such a powerful impact on people that I just felt like that. Uh, even though we we weren't going to be able to tour around it for a while, and we wouldn't be able to show the revenue off of it for a while. If the song of choice would have been of a different subject matter, we might have rethought it. But I just felt like the song was so strong, and and I I, I think it's uh, uh, 
a traditional song that's got a great message that people need to hear right now. Yeah, and it certainly does. It's it's a beautiful song. The question I have is, can you talk about this song in the larger context of the Made in America album and what the direction was on that album for you and what you looked for for that record? You know, I uh, that that record changed direction a couple of times on me. Uh, I had I had initially it took me about two years to record this project. I've been working on it for a while, and and uh, I had two or three songs that I that I had written that that I went in and recorded and got, kind of got started uh, started off with the uh, song called First Step to Leaving and uh, uh, It Ain't You. I wrote those early on in the year, shoot, 2018. So yeah, way back then, like I wrote both those in like January or so. And so I went in and did big quick demos on those, and, and I started going to some publishing companies and, and places that I would found songs before in the past, and we were kind of in a spot where the material that I was being pitched and the songs that I was finding, either either they felt really dated, uh, they are things that I had already been pitched over the years, because I was asking for traditional country stuff. I, w- I wanted a honky-tonk, traditional stuff, uh, and I had something in my mind, and I, I just wasn't finding it through the normal publishing routes. So it, it kind of pushed me to the scenario that, you know what, I've always said I was going to write more of my own record. And so I did. I just started booking up writing appointments, and over the next several months, I just knuckled down and wrote a whole bunch of stuff. Now, during the process of that, I was thinking, you know, that I wanted to get a little bit edgier with this record. Uh, and so there was a few songs that I found uh, in my publishing catalog, there was a song, uh, uh, Stay Back 100 Feet, uh, South Coming Out, and uh, Work On My Willie were things that had been in my catalog for a while. And also, uh, uh, um, golly, the, the, there was three up-tempos on the end of the record that had been laying around for a while, and I didn't write them, but I had publishing on them because I had the songwriters were signed to my publishing company in the early 2011, 12, 13, somewhere in there. And so I went in and cut those songs, and I thought I'm going to cut a little bit more of a, of a edgy rock country record. And once I got those done, and then I started demoing all this other stuff that I'd been writing, it kind of took me to another place. So it changed gears midway through the record. It was strange. But I, overall, I really felt like I, I really wanted to make an album that was that was very reflective of who I am and what, where, where I come from, the music that inspired me over the years. I didn't want it to be dated. I wanted it to be fresh, but still at the same time have those traditional elements that I had success with in the 90s and the 2000s. Uh, and, and strange enough, uh, the, the title track off the record, the initial working title was for a song called Chicken Wild Album. And uh, mm-hmm. the very last song that we wrote, the last songwriting session that I had with Adam Sanders and Rick Huckabee, I had the idea for Made in America. And because I, I really, I, I felt really strong that I needed an Americana song. I'd never done anything like that before. And so I came in with the idea, and I knew it needed to be a big guitar anthem kind of thing on the end, and I kind of spelled it out. And we wrote that song in about two hours, and I, it immediately changed the whole feel of what that record was about. It changed my sequencing. It changed everything. By the time we got that song done, I knew that that was going to be my first single off the record. The album came out in August, and you're still releasing singles. How do you decide what to release, and how do you decide how to space them out uh, so that we can have new music at radio from a record released seven, eight months ago, which I love to see? You know, I really I wish I had an answer for you. There, there was some, some turnover uh, in the management company at the first part of the year. 
Uh, we mm-hmm. had initially, my, part of the management team was wanting me to go back in and start recording new music, and I was adamant that I really I wasn't ready yet. I, I'm kind of at a place where I, I don't want to get on that treadmill of cranking out an album every year, year and a half, because I've done that, yeah. and I really don't want to be, I don't want to do that anymore. And, uh, you know, we had kicked off the tour with, with Justin in January, and that was supposed to carry us throughout the entire spring. And I didn't want to try to be writing a record and being forced to go in the studio while I was on a big tour and the possibilities of that parlaying into the fall as well. And, of course, all that stuff got shut, cut short because of the quarantine and everything that's been going on. But, you know, we really, I was planning on writing that album out, you know, as we got into the fall and then maybe cutting four or five songs and kind of seeing where we're at. But I just, I really wanted to slow the pace down. I didn't want to get forced to record when I wasn't ready to. And to tell you the truth, as we got into the quarantine, we had talked about releasing when the cowboy was gone. And all the numbers from the streaming platform and all the, the socials and everything were coming back that this was the highest testing thing that got the most reaction from everybody that had listened to the album. And we thought, like, you know, since we're in this downtime, let's, let's consider possibly releasing this song and, and seeing what kind of traction we can get with it. So it was just kind of a, a situational thing that led us to where we are with the release of this. And I love the tie-in that you know who you are and what your music is. And whenever we have an artist who had hits throughout the decades, we love to ask their opinion on music today because you've stayed very true to the Tracy Lawrence style. What do you think of the new country music coming out today? You know, uh, some of it I like. Uh, there, mm-hmm. there are some artists that I really dig. I'm a huge Luke Combs fan. Uh, I love Jason Aldean's stuff. Uh, I, there, there's some of it I like and some of it that I don't particularly care for. You know, my personal tastes lead, lend more into, uh, powerful vocals and rock and roll guitar and, and the leaning into the wind kind of things a little bit more edgy. The uh, either hardcore country or a little bit of a rock and roll tinge because my influences go back to like Skinner and, and, and some old Eric Clapton and, and, you know, ZZ Top and those kind of things mixed in with Straight and Keith Whitley and Waylon and, and, and uh, Hank Jr. and all that kind of stuff. So the softer pop, bro country stuff, I'm proud for the success they've had with it, but that never has really appealed to me. And I, ha- I look at it from this perspective. If I, was, if I was cutting my teeth again and I was working the bars and I was playing other people's stuff and I was trying to develop my own sound, there's a lot of the stuff that's being played that's that's current right now out there that I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to work up. It wouldn't be something that I'd gravitate to that I would want to play personally. Right before you came on, we were talking about our favorite uh, songs by you and mine, bar none. Every time it comes on my phone, I have to crank it up. Is Excitable Boy, just that that Southern rock grit. <laughs> You know, and, and it's, I felt it was strange. There's, there's been several things that I've cut over the years. Some of those album tracks, like Excitable Boy and, uh, you know, uh, For the Love that was on that title, that, that album that was titled uh, from that. There's been some really edgy rock and roll stuff, and, and we have tried to, to release a couple of those things in different situations over the years, and, and my fan base just never has accepted that well from me. I can place them. I can I can throw them in a in a live set periodically, and they'll respond a little bit to it. But the, it feels like m- my crowd and my audience that I've built a career off of wants to hear the alibis and the time marches on and the I see it now and the, and the more traditional stuff 
uh, they'll tolerate a little bit of the other, but but when they when they hear like when the cowboy's gone, the feeling that I'm getting from that is even though that's fresh and new, it's it's still very much me, and I think that's what my fans have come to expect from me. Where does "Everywhere But Hollywood," my favorite Tracy Lawrence song, uh, where does that fit uh, in that uh, kind of scope with your fans? Do they like it? Do they let you play it, or is it one of those that? You know, when that album was out, when we when we released that album and I was working the material on that record, it was one of the things that was in the set. Uh, but to mm-hmm. tell you the truth, I never I never got a pro or a con or a thumbs up or a thumbs down from anybody about that song. And I always liked it. Uh, there, You know, there's been a few of those like that over the years. Uh, it, you know, I, and I've always looked at it this way. It, it saddens me there, and I, I won't mention names, but there are a few artists that are out there that I know that have had a, a, a slew of hit records and made careers out of some great music, and for whatever reason, they're just not passionate about what they do, and they and they don't like to play a lot of the stuff that, that their fans have grown to know them through. And I think it's a shame because, to me, as a fan of music, uh, when I go see an artist, I want to hear them play the hits that I'm familiar with. If they want to throw a few new things at me and, and you know, tease a few other things, that's fine. But but if I go pay money to see an artist, I want to hear songs that I know. Uh, and, and I try to honor that as a fan of music. I, I try to be that kind of artist for my fans. Uh, and, of course, but it gives me a great body of work to play around with a lot. But as somebody who's releasing new music, who's constantly putting stuff out there, how do you balance that? I, know, I mean, you have to put When the Cowboy's Gone in your set because it's the single you want to play it when we're back on the road, of course. How do you balance out the new stuff with those with those hits? You know, uh, off of this record in the show, uh, since that album was released the latter part of last year, uh, but mm-hmm. I, I play them all together. It's like I'll come out and do a, a couple of new things. Like I open the show with Made in America, uh, do like a honky tonk thing off the record, like a, it ain't you or something like that. Second, uh, and then I'll just kind of scatter them through. So you, you hear something new, and if you like it, you like it, and then I'll go back and play three or four hits in a row. Uh, so you know, and the hardest thing for me is that you know I came up in a radio era where. You know, you could tell a hit was a hit. You know, you could you could feel the mm-hmm. groundswell when you had a record that got in the top ten and it started to really move, and you went into power rotation around the country. You could feel that energy from the crowd. It was just different. And nowadays, in the, in the place in the time that I'm at, you know, where I'm releasing secondary radio and streaming platforms and using a lot of social media and stuff, you know, it's it's so data driven. Uh, I see people singing the words out there, and I can tell that they're familiar with the songs, and they and they know a lot of the new stuff. But it's not like that over the top, you know, blow your hair back kind of energy that you used to get from having an impact record on the radio. Well, that's because that's for better or worse, and probably worse, the singles, the music, it's been so parsed out and so commodified, for lack of a better word, that it's to me, it's about seeing the artist live and being that passionate. But I think the way young people, people my age, unfortunately, are encouraged to consume music doesn't instill passion. Is that fair to say? I, I think it is very fair to say because, you know, where there used to be anticipation for, of waiting for that new music or that single from your favorite artist to come out, 
you have the ability to stream or play anything from virtually anybody of any genre at any given time right in the palm of your hand. So there's no anticipation of waiting for that stuff to come. And I think it takes some of the specialness away from it. And I think, too, that's why a lot of artists uh, haven't released albums. They, they mostly do singles or you know EPs because it's just not there anymore. And and we're having those conversations too. But as it, I don't, there, it's just really difficult difficult for me to wrap my mind around just recording four or five songs. And we've we're talking about the possibilities of doing that next year and looking at a way to structure some things in. Uh, but you know, in the in the world that we live in now, it's more about. I, I think people's attention span is kind of it's kind of shorter than what it used to be. And and as you look at how to change your marketing strategy and how to look at at, at how to how to find your revenue stream and how to connect with your target audience to keep the ticket sales around because we all know that the end the cash engine in this format these days is all the live music. You know, you're not getting the royalties from the album sales. Streaming doesn't pay that much. So really, you're, a lot of those royalties that we used to count on that were tremendous when you were playing the chart game back in the day are just not there anymore. So it's all about feeding that that social media monster. So we're I'm I'm having to get my head right about dropping a song a month or you know maybe two songs a month and and going in the studio and just feeding content instead of of putting that type of record together. And I, I don't know how I feel about that yet. There we're having a lot of internal conversations about getting to that place though. Yeah, and I know one thing that kind of bothers me because I'm a traditionalist. I, I still buy CDs. Um, I don't like hearing half the songs before the album's released. I, I like the one or two songs. All of that bothers then, me. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, when and, I buy the album, that, I like to hear it all. I, and I agree with that. And and I want to see. I, I don't. I don't. I don't particularly care for albums that have just been kind of pieced together. So it was cut here and cut there and and all that because it takes the flow of, of the specialness of, of the artist's vision of putting a compilation of songs together. It's not just about throwing 10 or 12 songs on a package. It's about how you sequence that record and what your, what your feel was and why you put that song where and, and, and why that last song that you picked for the album, what, did you need a tempo or a ballad or a waltz or whatever? It's about the craft of putting a record together that makes a fan want to listen to it from top to bottom. That's, that's the way I love to do music, and and I don't I don't know yeah I, I think I'll miss doing that if I don't put a record together that way. Oh, definitely, definitely. And how will your music, uh, I guess, be influenced in the new Storming Heaven musical you co-created? Uh, you know, I, I'm totally detached from my career as an artist when we're writing those songs. That came uh, when we were writing the music for that play. It was all derived from from the book Storming Heaven. And uh, uh, my co-writers, who are in the theater world in New York, they would come down and we would spend days at a time, and, and they worked on the script. And it, it was always evolving. I, I'd never worked on a project where, I mean, literally, we've been working on this thing five or six years. And so as, as the script evolves and you do dry runs and you'll go do a reading with, you know, two or three musicians and a, and a cast, uh, a nuts and bolts cast that's just sitting there going through it, and you say, "Well, we need something else here." And it's a it's it's a lengthy, lengthy process. But what I did like about it is being able to write to a storyline and writing to a scene. You know, as a as a commercial songwriter, when you're trying to write in that three three and a half minute window and trying to write to radio and trying to write to 
what people have grown accustomed to hearing is the length of a song. When you when you write for a stage and you're writing for theater, you're writing for a moment. You're writing. You're thinking about the lighting and you're thinking about the the props and whatever's going on around it and and the, and the the actors engaging with each other and all of that stuff that's going on. It's a it's a fascinating change of approach for me that I really enjoyed. I love to hear that because I went to theater school in high school. But I always was a country music fan. So anytime those two worlds collide, it's just amazing. Did you have the theater bug from a young age, or is this a project that just kind of came to you? You know, I I did. I took some theater stuff in college. I was a mass comm major in college, and, and I did some plays in college. And, and I, did, I actually won a, I was on a choir scholarship. I, I, I sang in a choral ensemble in high school, so I... I was around the theater world a lot. I enjoyed a lot, but my passion was always in traditional country. But I absolutely love the theater. I mean, I love to take my family to the Pack here in Nashville. I mean, we've seen Cats and Phantom of the Opera. I, I, I was involved with the, uh, uh, a play called The Civil War that toured a little bit several years ago with Frank Wildhorn, who has had a tremendous career in New York. So. I've had the opportunity to play around in that world a little bit over the years, and I, I, I dearly, dearly love it. Is it, uh, and it might be too early to, to ask this, but is it uh, possible that you guys would release uh, a soundtrack to the musical? Uh, we were actually, in February, we were starting to work on all that stuff, uh, and it is still planned to try to, you know, it's, it's such a hard world to play around in, even to get something on an off-Broadway stage is, I didn't realize how difficult it is, even when you know all the right people, the the funding that it takes to get it off the ground. And obviously, the, in the situation that we're in right now, all that stuff has been pushed on the back burner. But yes, we, we were going through the songs of all the stuff that we had written and looking to see how we put a production together to represent the theme of, uh, because it's, it's the the music. It's not going to be like doing a traditional full production session. Uh, the way that we're looking at it, it's, the period would be the the 30s and 40s in that early uh, early 20th century uh, in uh, uh, Ohio and and West Virginia and and through the coal miner era when they were still living in you know camps where you know the company store controlled everything you didn't get paid it was a different way of life so it's banjos and mandolins and acoustic guitars and you know no percussion it's it's very earthy in nature so there's we really want to make sure that we put it together the right way so it so it uh, the people that are into that kind of thing can find it. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we are able to keep moving forward with it. I'm hoping that because of the financial constraints that have, have happened to everybody over the last couple of months that, that it won't be too long before we can get back on track. Yeah, that'll be an interesting uh, album for sure. You've been hosting Honky Tonkin' with Tracy Lawrence for a while. Um, tell us uh, how you became involved with actually uh, doing uh, radio? You know, uh, we've been doing Hockey Talking for five years. It amazes me. I, I really, I'm kind of blown away by it. And, and we're in 115 markets around the United States, which is huge for a syndicated radio show. Yeah. Uh, we had initially started off, I'd gone to Sirius, and uh, I had actually worked there and trained on the stuff and we were trying to get our contract worked out and and that whole thing kind of fell through from a financial standpoint i just uh, we we didn't we didn't come together on what my i thought my value was if you know what i mean and so <laughs> yeah. uh and when 
they 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 wanted me to do it for free, and I didn't want to do it for free. <laughs> so, and that, yeah, of course. So we looked, at, and, and at that particular time, you know, five six years ago, the music from my era, you really weren't there weren't very many radio stations, even secondary radio stations, that were playing much of that. We were kind of in our bro phase, and I I, I felt like it was an opportunity for me to to keep my brand alive and do something that I enjoyed because I love the music from that era, the eighties, nineties and all that stuff. So, so we, we put a package together and, and made a couple of pitches and wound up with uh, big D and Bubba's company over at Silverfish and, and their producer is my guy that takes care of me and we do everything through, uh, uh, compass media. And, uh, you know, they make a little pocket money, a little walking around money and everybody's happy. I go in a couple of times a month and, tape a couple shows and do some interviews. I actually did my show yesterday and, and got to interview Loretta Lynn yesterday for about 15 minutes. Yeah. She was on phone, but I, I, got to, I got to spend a little time with her yesterday, which was very cool for me. You know, hey, I, you I, need to pass I, I enjoy... <laughs> Sorry, Go ahead. I was just going to say, you need to pass along your booker to us. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, she actually called us and wanted to do my radio show. You know, I uh, I got to I got to to interview Kenny Rogers before he passed away. Oh, my friend wow. Joe Diffie, rest his soul, was my very first interview. Uh, I've had Ronnie Dunn. You know, I've I've had some I've had an opportunity to really, and it's amazing to me. Even people that I know, you know, people that I've hung out with and spent time with over years. When you sit down and you start conversing on a music level like that, you find out about things about people that you really didn't even know. So it's been really an, uh, amazing for me to, to sit down and talk with the, even people that I'm close to. You know, you find out so much about them that you never even thought to ask when you're just hanging out and drinking beer. All right, of course. So I have to ask you, Buddy said to uh, ask you about the Mission Possible thing that you're doing uh, as our last question for you. Can you tell us a little bit about that turkey fry? So Mission Possible was started, it'll be 15 years this fall. Uh, we do, uh, we actually fry turkeys in the parking lot of the Nashville Rescue Mission uh, the week of mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. Like I said, this will be our 15th year. Uh, it was started with me and a handful of friends that had been frying turkeys on Thanksgiving morning for friends and family. And, you know, there was just a couple of us. And we got the idea that, that we wanted to do something for our community, and it was something that we enjoyed. And we thought that we could drive awareness to the, the plight of the homeless and the things that we cared about. So, the first year we did it, uh, we actually borrowed uh, propane tanks from the from the church congregation where we all went to church, and uh, we got a hold of the rescue mission, and they said they'd let us do it, and we got a bunch of turkeys. And I think that first year we might have fried seventy five or a hundred, you know, with a bunch of with our own personal fryers. And uh, our initial charge, what we, we it wasn't about raising money. We were just there to drive awareness to the plight of the homeless and and bring awareness to and give a different perspective from just the people panhandling on the corners and all this normal stuff that you see. And uh, after that first year got off the ground, uh, the next year it grew, and we started picking up sponsors. And, and uh, you know, I fought doing a concert after it for years, but five years ago they finally talked me into doing a concert the same day, which was exhausting because I'd, yeah, when I, that's, that's a long day. I usually get there about 6.30 in the morning, and now that the concert happens, it's 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning by the time I get done. So we oh, cook yeah. all day long. We usually cook five to 600 turkeys, clean the parking lot up. I'll shift over, do sound check over at the Wild Horse, uh, do media and do my VIP meet and greets, and then start bringing everybody in and do a, a full show. 
we did full production shows for the first few years. But last year, uh, last couple of years, it just we decided that we would just try the the guitar pool. It was a little bit more personal, and it just felt like it was uh, a little bit better scenario for what we were trying to represent from from all the uh, you know in that situation. So. That and we do get four or five acts, and we sit up there and tell stories and play guitar and, and sing songs and, and just uh, and enjoy being able to do something great for our community. It, it's been a big blessing for me. I love that. And, you know, we love you. We are big fans of you and everything you do from the music to the community outreach to everything. Tracy Lawrence, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you all so very much. It's a pleasure to talk to you, and I hope we get a chance to do this again. What I love about these conversations, and you heard it here with the interview with Tracy, is you can tell, no disrespect to Tracy, when you're doing an interview and then you're having a conversation. And if it doesn't start off immediately like a conversation, what I love about what we do is it becomes a conversation, and you and I felt that at about the six, seven minute mark of that conversation. I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a tight 15, 17 minute interview. He went for almost half an hour with us uh, once he got comfortable with us. And we are so grateful. Tracy, if you're listening, thank you very, very much uh, for doing that, for making it a conversation and for spending the time with us to talk about so many topics. Oh yeah. Once, once we got going on the music, it was just, it was just rip roaring and there we went. And we didn't even want to wrap it, but, you know, we, we had yeah. another one behind it that actually, the moment Called we hung early. up, they came on. So it was uh, it was rather uh, pleasant and uh, just so much fun. And uh, I'll be glad when he and the rest of the musicians out there can get to touring again, because we need that. Absolutely, we do. And uh, you can bet I will be first in line to see him. Oh, absolutely. Him and uh, hopefully the Justin Moore show. Uh, I know they've been touring, like he mentioned, and hopefully that will add some other dates and Wait hit our minute. areas. He's been opening for who on that tour? I don't know anything about this tour. Who? What's the tour? Tell me about that. It's uh, Justin Moore with Tracy Lawrence. Yeah, they, they've been kind of, uh, I think it's kind of like a joint headlining tour. It's It's been a while since that that release came out, but yeah, it's uh, it, that would be a great show would be i hope we can get back to it but uh, until we can we're grateful that they have the time to talk to us so until next time for the music universe podcast i'm matt and i'm buddy thanks for listening and keep checking out the music universe.com uh-huh.